All right, this morning, let's turn to the book of Daniel, chapter number three. The book of Daniel in chapter number three, and we're continuing this little study of living faithfully in troubled times. And there is no doubt that all of us, as we look out into our world, we know that we live in troubled times. So we need some advice from the Word of God and look for some examples in the Word of God to see how others have lived faithfully in troubled times. And we're looking at the book of Daniel, looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel to see what they did. So our, our message today is unwitting culture warriors. Do you ever find yourself in unexpected circumstances? You're going about your life and all of a sudden you find yourself in some circumstances where you must take a stand. That kind of thing happens more often than we think. Sometimes it happens in major ways and sometimes just in simple everyday choices that we make. I mean, just for example, on this past Tuesday, we had the opportunity to go into the voting booth and cast a ballot. And when we cast that ballot, we had the opportunity to cast a ballot for life or not and to stand up for uh, the biblical principles about marriage and gender and all of that. We had that opportunity to cast that vote, and, and we cast that vote, and, and you know we'll be answerable to God for that. But you know those are simple ways where we find ourselves in everyday circumstances and we're called upon to, to make a choice. And in those instances, we are culture warriors. We may be unwitting culture warriors. In other words, we don't mean to be culture warriors, but we are. We're culture warriors. And Edmund Burke, who was a member of the English Parliament in the 18th century, is, is attributed with making this statement. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So here we have in Daniel chapter number 3, we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they found themselves in that situation. They're living in a world where evil is being promoted. So what are they going to do? Now, again, they don't see themselves as culture warriors. They're unwitting culture warriors. They're not intending to be culture warriors, but it ends up that they are culture warriors. They're presented with circumstances which they know to contradict the truth. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves where it's demanded of them to give the glory of God to a graven image, for them to fall down and to worship a graven image. And what will they do? Will they refuse to give glory to the image of Nebuchadnezzar? Or will they reserve their glory to the Lord only? And so that's what we're going to look at. Again, it's a familiar story that many of us already know. Um, but we're going to look at that. And, and you can see the three points is Nebuchadnezzar's decree. Then we're going to see that, they, uh, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are wittingly faithful and then we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's understanding. And we're going to just begin by reading one verse, Daniel chapter number 3, but we'll be covering the entire chapter. 
Daniel 3.1 says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we are thankful for your word and we know that you give us your word to guide us, to teach us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. And God, today, as we look into the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and these circumstances in which they found themselves, we pray that we will see from their example of faithfulness guidelines for us to stand faithful in the troubled times in which we live. So we thank you today for uh, this opportunity we have to be in your house and for the opportunity that we have uh, to give glory and honor to you. And we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So here we have again Nebuchadnezzar. And we know that Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He's the greatest king uh, at, at this time. And, and we understand that Nebuchadnezzar is a unique individual. I did a little study on uh, Nebuchadnezzar to see what made Nebuchadnezzar such a great king. And it, and it tells us in, in history that, that he was wise and he allowed the uh, people who he conquered to worship their own gods. So if you come into Babylon, you can worship your own gods. That's okay. I'm not going to take your gods away from you. And also he took the wisest of the people whom he took captive and brought them into his system and he made them advisors to him. And so that's why we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel also, as we've looked the last couple of weeks, they're on his advisory council because they're the best and the brightest. And so Nebuchadnezzar was wise in doing all that, but he was very inconsistent. He had a lot of swings in his understanding, and, and we know just as what we've seen, he has honored the God of Daniel, and he's encouraged others to, be, uh, to, to, to know who the God of Daniel is, but his heart has not changed Nebuchadnezzar is very susceptible to pride, and that's what's going to get him into these circumstances today. Uh, he is a very wise builder. He's a great builder. As a matter of fact, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was built by Nebuchadnezzar, the hanging gardens of Babylon. And so here you have Nebuchadnezzar, this ruthless king. Um, he would not let anything get in the way of of him subduing peoples and conquering lands. That's, here's the quote that says about him. Nebuchadnezzar was an able but ruthless ruler who let nothing get in the way of his subduing peoples and conquering lands. So, so here you have this Nebuchadnezzar. And you think about Nebuchadnezzar's faith. It seems like as you read through the text that, that he, makes some, he makes some astounding statements. In Daniel 2.47, he says, The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth, it, it is that your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. So it seems that Nebuchadnezzar has some understanding about who God is. In, Daniel, in this chapter, Daniel 3.28, he's going to say, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. And then you get to Daniel 4.34 where he says this, 
And at the end of the days, I can Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes into heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the most high and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my Lord sought unto me. And so Nebuchadnezzar seems to have this understanding. As a matter of fact, that Daniel 4, 34 and 35 is the most popular passage in the word of God to teach the sovereignty of God. And it's coming from the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar seems to have this great understanding of who God is. Yet he never submits to the Lord. You know, that's, that's a warning to us. You can have great knowledge about who God is and not be a child of God. You can have great knowledge about the sovereignty of God and still be lost. So here you have Nebuchadnezzar, this unique individual who has great knowledge of who God is but never submits to his lordship and so therefore he is lost. So living in as a stranger in a strange land and living faithfully in troubled times, we have to realize and understand that just because someone makes some statements that appear to honor God, to have some knowledge about who God is or who Jesus is, that doesn't mean that person is a person of faith. They might be making those statements for their own benefit. and So we understand by their fruits you'll know them. No matter what they might say with their mouth, if their life doesn't back it up, if there's not some example of them living by faith, you know it's just words. So that's important for us to know and understand. Again, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a great king. But pride was his downfall. He could be manipulated through flattery and He imagined himself to be on par with God. That's why he desires this worship. But there you have Nebuchadnezzar. But he made this decree. So let's read on. Verse 2, Daniel 3, 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship, worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And so all of these conquered nations that, that Nebuchadnezzar had conquered, they all fell down to worship this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So he makes this golden image. It, it tells us the size of it. 
And let's remember, this is in contrast to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has just had. Remember, the dream that he just had, it was an image made of different types of materials. But Nebuchadnezzar, since Daniel had told him that you're the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar makes this uh, image out of gold, and it's 90 foot tall by 9 foot wide. This is a massive, a massive uh, image that he has set up. And it tells us there that the attendance of all the leaders are required at the dedication of this image. And if we know anything about the Word of God, where, you know, the, thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not make any image of anything uh, in the earth, we know the Ten Commandments, right? Um, we can understand this clash that's about to happen. Because if these children of Israel, if they are faithful to God, they're not going to bow to this image. Because God has said, you're not to have any God before me. You're not to create any image of anything uh, in heaven or on earth beneath. And so you can, you can see this clash. You can see this predicament that is arising. And there's going to be a clash. You know, if you're trying to live faithfully in troubled times, you can see predicaments that are rising. As a matter of fact, I was sitting at the mission graduation last night and, and it was three or four of us men were sitting there talking and, and this gentleman was talking about, you know, I think that persecution is the next step. If you're going to live according to what the Word of God says, you're going to be living contrary to our culture. You're going to be making decisions that are contrary to the culture because you're going to be making decisions according to the Word of God. And it seems like persecution is on the horizon. And if you are faithful to God and you are determined that you're going to live according to the Word of God, you can see that too. You can see that it's becoming culturally unacceptable to walk according to the Word of God. If you determine what gender is according to the Word of God, then you're not being faithful. And if you're making decisions based upon what the Bible says, they're going to call you evil. And so we can see this predicament arising. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves. There are severe consequences to those who do not adhere to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's decree. They're going to be cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. And you know, when we think about that, we, we recognize that there's a time coming, the book of Revelation in chapter number 13 tells us of a time in the future when there's going to be an image of a beast set up. And it says, talking about uh, the beast that's going to give power to this image of the beast, it says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so we know this same type of thing is yet in the future. And I have my own ideas about the beast and how the beast is going to have the ability to, to, to speak and to do these wonders. But we'll talk about that some other time. And so we recognize that here, here's this situation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and everyone else is to bow down to this image and worship this image. And it tells us in chapter verse number 7 that all the people fell down and they worshiped this image except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so here we find themselves and they are going to be what I titled winningly faithful. 
No, now unwittingly means that you don't recognize what you're doing. You, you didn't set out to do it. That it's just it just happened. But here we know with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this situation, they are wittingly faithful. They know the decision that they're going to make. They they didn't mean to be culture warriors. But when it comes to this situation that's presented to them, they know what they're going to do. They're not going to bow to this image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. So we're going to read. Whereas, verse number 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said unto the king, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, if you fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, that's well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of rage, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire which slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace, then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said, Oh, that's true, O king. 
He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're unwitting culture warriors. They don't mean to be culture warriors. They didn't set out to be culture warriors. They're just living their life in honor of God. Yet they're thrust into the position where they must Take a stand. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are winningly faithful. They will remain faithful to God no matter what the culture says or no matter what the king decrees. They're going to be faithful to God. They're accused, right? They have not regarded the king. They, they didn't serve the king's gods and they do not worship the image. And again, you know, that's going to happen, right? If you start standing for God and standing up for truth and living counterculturally, there's going to be people in this world that are going to accuse you. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves. And we read how that Nebuchadnezzar was full of rage and he's full of fury. And he calls them, he calls the three and he questions them. And just like Daniel found himself in difficult circumstances through no fault of his own, here the Hebrew children find themselves in these circumstances. They're not of their own making. They're not setting out to be rebellious. They, they just want to live faithfully to God. They're not going out and and condemning and convicting everyone else. They're just trying to live faithful to God. Yet the circumstances that they find themselves in, in the world in which they are living, they find themselves taking a stand. And Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, listen, I see you guys, you didn't do it before, but listen, the next time... Listen, if you'll just bow down the next time, it'll all be good. It'll all be forgotten about it. It'll be well with you if you just go ahead and bow the next time. You see, Nebuchadnezzar has given them this proposition to compromise. Think about what at stake here. They can bow their knee and worship this image and they can go on and live their life. Everything will all be well and good. Now, they'll be unfaithful to God. They'll be in rebellion against God, but, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's not going to care. And it appears nobody else in culture is going to care. Just bow down and save your life. You see, they can either submit themselves to Nebuchadnezzar or they can submit themselves to God. They stand faithful to God. They're putting their lives in danger. What kind of decision are they going to make? How often are we presented with circumstances where we take the easy way? Listen, if I just don't make a decision, if I just do what the culture says, then everything's going to be all well and good. They're risking their lives. But why? Why would they do that? It's because God is worthy. 
Because they know who God is. That He's the God that made the heaven and the earth. And they also know that it's better to burn for an instant than it is to burn for eternity. It's better to burn for an instant than it is to burn for an eternity. And think how many people in the world today are choosing the easy way in this life. They're going to burn for eternity. See, they understand that one day they're going to stand before the judgment of God. Right now they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar, the king, in this world. But one day they're going to stand before the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and they're going to give an account. And they're going, are they going to say, well, God, yeah, but when things got hard, we just thought it would be easier just to follow Nebuchadnezzar. They're going to give an account for the way they're living their lives. They recognize they're going to stand before the judgment of God. How many of us need to recognize the same thing? How many of you recognize that one day you're going to stand and give an account to God even for every idle word? Do you understand that? That one day you're going to stand before God and give an account? I mean, for everything that we do. I mean, let's go back to the, 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 what we made at the beginning. For what lever we pull, we're going to give an account. For every word that we say, what we support in life, we're going to give an account. And I, that's, that's one of the things I think we've forgotten. And I, I was listening to a, a message this week that talked about that, how people are forgetting that one day they're going to stand before the judgment of God. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood where they were standing. Are they going to stand for God or are they going to stand for Nebuchadnezzar? They recognized it was better to suffer at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar than it is to suffer at the hands of God. So when we're living faithfully in troubled times, we understand that there's going to be opportunities in this culture for us to compromise our stand. And what, will, what decisions will we make? Will we make decisions to murder babies? Will we change the cultural uh, man, the creation mandate when the Bible says, listen, this is what you're supposed to do. Be fruitful and multiply. That's the command. That's the mandate that we've been given as men to be fruitful and to multiply and to, to take dominion over this earth. Will we support things like male and female? He created them. Where will we stand on these situations? And I'm just talking about real situations that we are facing in our society today. This is not the past. This is not the future. This is right where we're living today. How will we stand? And as we're going forward and living in these troubled times, we're going to be called upon to make decisions, and we're going to have to make decisions, and what decision will we make? So Nebuchadnezzar, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they said, we're not careful to answer thee. This, this means they, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, this, this is a no-brainer. There's no decision here. It's easy for us to make a decision. We're not bowing to that idol. 
We're not giving God's glory, which is His only, to another. It's God's glory and His alone. And we're not giving that glory to another. They were resolute in their desire not to worship the image. So you see, these three Hebrew children are thrust into the arena of a cultural war. And they are confident. What did they say? The God that we serve is able to deliver us. He will deliver us out of Nebuchadnezzar's hand. But if not, we're not going to bow. We're not going to worship the God of Nebuchadnezzar. And let's think about how important this is for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at this point in their life. Why are they in Babylon in the first place? They're in Babylon in the first place because they're taken captive. Jerusalem has been destroyed. And why was Jerusalem destroyed? Idolatry, right? The judgment of God came upon Jerusalem because of idolatry. And so they understood that, that, that they're living counterculturally. They're not living like everyone else is living. They're, they seem to be the only three that are standing here making this decision. And they made the decision not to worship the image. It tells us that Nebuchadnezzar's visage toward them has changed. They are no longer in Nebuchadnezzar's favor. And he tells them to heat the furnace seven times hotter. And how hot is the furnace? That It's so hot that those that threw them into the furnace, they died. They were going to perish as soon as they fall into the furnace. So it tells us they're cast into the furnace. You know, I want us to think about this for just a minute. Nebuchadnezzar didn't care about their faith. Nebuchadnezzar didn't care about how they worshipped Jehovah as long as it didn't contradict him. As long as it didn't go against what he had set up, he was fine. And we think about that and we think how throughout history the same has been true. The faithful have been put in difficult situations throughout history. And we are finding ourselves in the same position today. Today, to be a Christian is considered to be dangerous. If you have thoughts that are determined by the Scripture, you are considered dangerous by our culture. You are making decisions that are harmful to people. When you say things like, you know, a boy ought to be a girl, a boy ought to be a boy and a girl ought to be a girl. When you say things like marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime, that, you know, you're considered dangerous. It's just, it's the way history is. That when you live according to the scripture, you fall out of favor with the culture because the culture hates God and they hate his word. They love darkness more than they love the light. And so we just need to understand that if, if we're living faithfully for God, we're going to be in conflict with the culture. And these three are cast into the burning fiery furnace. And as we think about this, what is the likelihood that they survive? It's zero. 
they fall down bound. And we know it's zero because those that threw them into the fire, they perished. Then Nebuchadnezzar looks and he says, hey, what? Didn't we put three men in the fire, but I see four? Where's this fourth man coming? And didn't we throw them in bound? And I see them four up loose walking around. Listen. Living faithfully for God in troubled times does not mean that we will not face hardships. There's a lot of people that say that, listen, if you just live faithfully with God, then life's going to all be good. You're never going to have any hardships. Well, that's not according to the Scripture. The Scripture teaches that the more faithful you live for God, the more likely that you're going to have hardships. The more likely that this life is not going to be easy for you. And there's whole religious philosophies out there that try to teach you that if you have enough faith, you're not going to have hardships. Well, that is contrary to the Scripture. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're living faithfully to God, and they get thrown in the fiery furnace. So don't be persuaded by those who say, oh, life's going to be perfect if you follow Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches. Actually, Yea, and all they that live godly shall suffer persecution. Actually, if you're going to live faithfully for God, you should anticipate tribulation and persecution in this world. I mean, that's just what the Word of God says. And so you see these, they're thrown in to the, to the fiery furnace. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so you should anticipate difficulties and trials, but recognize that God is going to be with you and give you the ability to bear that tribulation. Acts 18, 10, God told Paul this, For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. So if we're walking through life, just like Jesus was with the three Hebrew children in the midst of the fiery furnace, we should anticipate and expect that God is going to be with us and Jesus is going to be with us as we walk through the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations that we will face in this life. And again, I go back to the question, why? Why would they allow themselves to be put into these circumstances? It's because they love God. They love God. They knew who He was. And they were not going to turn away from God to follow the ways of the world. But what about us? Why would we take a stand against culture? For the same reason. Our love for Christ. We know that He has rescued us from the world. We know the chains which bound us in sin have been broken. We know that those chains were broken on the cross when Jesus suffered and bled and died and went to the grave. He was raised again the third day so that we might have life have it more abundantly. You see, 
Christ died to save us from this world, not to continue in this world. And we should be willing to live for him contrary to the culture that is in this world because he was willing to come and suffer the same thing. He lived contrary to the culture. And because he lived contrary to the culture, it cost him his life. He laid down his life for us. And because he did that for us, we should be willing to do the same for him, knowing that in heaven awaits us a more enduring life. You see, they, they fell into the fiery furnace and there was no hurt and the fourth man was walking with them. And finally, we're going to get to Nebuchadnezzar's understanding. Verse 27. And the princes and the governor, let's just read verse 26 too, sorry. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth, come hither. <laughs> then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come forth out of the midst of the fire. I've, I've tried to think about this many times, what it must have been like that day to be Nebuchadnezzar, to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be those that were watching. Can you imagine what that scene must have been? They should be dead. And here he's calling them to come forth. Verse 27, And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. Nebuchadnezzar's counselors all around and they see and they look and they look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and look what it says about them. The smell of fire was not on them. You've been sitting around a fire, right? You've been sitting around a campfire and what do you know happens? I mean, the smoke never may actually come and blow upon you, even though it seems like there's always one person that that smoke follows them around the fire no matter where they go. It's like, you know, smoke follows beauty. And so that one person, you know, it seems to always go at them. But, but if you've been around a campfire, what do you know? I mean, your clothes are going to smell like fire, right? You don't have to be in the fire. You just know that you're going to smell like fire. But here Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the middle of the fire, and the fire, they didn't have the smell of fire on them. They're, I mean, we all learned what happens when you take a flame to hair. Just ask, you know, go back in the past and look what happened to Michael Jackson, right? Flame and hair, you know, don't go together good, does it? No hair was singed. The fire had no power over them. It's amazing what God has done. And Nebuchadnezzar makes the statement, blessed be the God of the three Hebrew children. He sent his angel. He delivered his servants that trusted in him. He changed the king's word. So Nebuchadnezzar understood, this is what I said. I said, you're going to die, but your God delivered you and you did not die. And what I wanted, God changed. Hey, the, the, the sooner we can learn that kings can't change God's words, but God can change the king's words. 
the sooner we learn the sovereignty of God, the better off we're going to be. And the sooner that we learn whose words we ought to follow, we ought to follow God's words and leave men's words behind. Because the men's words are full of fallacy. Men's words are full of selfishness. Men's, men, when they make their decisions, they want to make themselves look good. They want to make their pocketbook full. It's all about the men. But God has spoken His word and we ought to follow His word and not follow men's words. And notice they yielded their bodies because they would not serve any God but their own. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They counted not their lives dear unto themselves. And we know that in the future, Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Can that be said about you? That you're over going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb? The word of your testimony is honoring God and that you love not your life even unto death. Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. And we've already read that. That no one should worship any other God besides the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So here we think about these young men, Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. They're, they're standing faithfully for God. But how did they know how to stand? They knew how to stand because of what they had been taught. They had been taught how to follow God. Listen, we're all about secular education, right? We, we want our kids to grow up and, and be educated in, in this world. But listen, you know what's more important than a secular education? A godly education. You cannot forsake the teaching of your children. You cannot forsake teaching the principles and precepts of the Word of God. You need to teach them things like these catechisms. They need to do things like memorize scriptures. One, one of the guys that I was talking to, he was talking about Camp Nathaniel, and he said, you know, at Camp Nathaniel, this was at the mission last night, but at Camp Nathaniel, he said, we had to memorize 300 verses, and I still remember those things. Yes, secular education is important. But listen, if you're forsaking Christian education, if you're not bringing them to Sunday school, if you're not bringing them to where we can teach them the catechism, if you're not bringing them to youth and all of those kind of things, listen, you're forsaking your kids. You wouldn't let your kids stay home from school. And you're going to let them stay home from Sunday school? I mean, it just doesn't measure up, but that's the culture in which we live. Listen, these... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. They didn't set out to be cultural warriors, but they were. It seems that everyone had turned away from God except these four young men. They didn't set out to impact the entire culture. They were only being faithful to God, but here they are impacting the culture. These men followed what we find in the book of Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. They understood the creation mandate to take dominion over this world. And that's exactly what they did. Again, no one else is standing for God. But it seems these four young men are. They're choosing to live faithfully. And why would they choose to live faithfully? Because they were persuaded in their hearts. And what we need to realize is that we're called to impact our culture too. We are called to take dominion. 
We are called to promote the glory of God in everything in this world. For too long, Christians have said that they have tried to separate the secular from the sacred. And we have forgotten how that we are supposed to promote the influence of God and be a witness for God and the glory of God in this world in every arena. We are cultural warriors. We should have people writing music and singing songs about the glory of God. We should have people writing stories and writing books about the glory of God. We should have Christians out there influencing uh, the world in the job that you're in. You should be influencing your culture. You don't leave your Christianity at home because it's who you are. And we have a responsibility to, uh, to influence our culture. But for too long, we have allowed non-Christian influences to dominate the culture. And because we've allowed non-Christian influences to dominate the culture, look at the culture in which we live today. Listen to the music. Look at the artistry that's out there. Look at the books that are being written. Our culture has gone wholeheartedly away from God. It's because Christians have gotten out of the cultural war and they have gotten out of the, uh, 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 the desire to uh, influence our culture for God and we've allowed the world to take over and look at what we've got today. Got Question says this about our cultural mandate that we've been demanded by God to influence our culture. Part of our cultural ma mandate implies that part of our good stewardship of the earth includes making an effort to influence culture and politics towards attitudes that reflect God's will. The creation mandate refers to man's authority over the earth and his responsibility to follow God's design for stewardship and sexuality. The cultural mandate in its most biblical sense is our personal obligation to submit all of our lives to God's will, specifically including the way we entreat with others through government and society. As the salt of the earth, we influence the culture for good. And we've let that down because we've said, oh, there's no place for God in the culture. And we've got a godless culture. We've got to take back up the cultural mandate and recognize that you are called to influence culture. You are called to stand up for God. You are, you are called to stand up for that which is right and good. And that's the way that you are salt and light in this world. You do it on the job. You do it in the way you raise your kids. You do it in the way that God has given you the abilities to do. You make an impact for God. And don't let the world take over. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't mean to be cultural warriors, but they found themselves being cultural warriors we may not intend to be, but we find ourselves being culture warriors today. And as living faithfully in troubled times, we're going to take upon ourselves that mandate that we've been given. To be salt and light in the world. To make an influence for the glory of God. Because He is worthy. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. The opportunity we have to be in Your house and learn from Your Word. And I pray that You'll bless the preaching of Your Word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.